It's time for your daily dose of all things Chicago sports. This is the Daily Score. Now, here's your host, Mark Grody. We made it. Episode number one. Hello and welcome into the Daily Score. I'm Mark Grody. And on this podcast, anything goes because it's podcast and I like it when anything goes and we'd improvise and just have a good time. But we are going to zero in on the most interesting Chicago sports topics of the day. I will use my best discretion to come up with the best topics for you. I got a pretty good handle on it in my, uh, what now, 13 years full-time at The Score and then at WBBM before that. I like to think I have a pretty good idea of what you guys like listening to or hearing about or learning about as far as Chicago sports are concerned. Ray Diaz is our executive producer. You probably know him from the Bernstein and Holmes show as he runs that show on a daily basis as well. We are lucky to have Ray with us on the show. And occasionally Ray Diaz will interject as well. As a matter of fact, anytime he feels like jumping on the microphone, I am totally down with that. Coming up on the show today, coming up in a little bit, for a lot of reasons, it's pretty perfect that we're starting this show today because I cover the Bears full time and training camp is coming up. But also, in a past life, not too long ago, I worked with the Cubs. And Pat Hughes, the longtime play-by-play guy of the Chicago Cubs, was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame this weekend. And I get to talk to you about my personal experiences with Pat Hughes, which are mostly pretty funny and pretty entertaining, I would like to think. So I was part of the broadcast team from 2015 to 2017. Obviously, not a bad time to be part of the Cubs broadcast because, you know, things happen. The Cubs happened to have won a World Series. So 15, 16, and 17, all years that they ended up going to the National League Championship Series. So I will talk about that. I left after the 2017 season, as many people know, to cover the Chicago Bears. And I will talk about that a little bit as well. I have people probably. I don't know. The numbers are down a little bit, but I'd say once a month when I'm hosting on the score, I've got people asking me about, why did you leave the score? What do you like doing better? You like doing the Bears better or the Cubs better? I'll try to address that. If I don't get it to it in full in this podcast, I will definitely share that with you because we're doing this thing every day. We're doing it every single day and it will drop every single morning as well. So we're going to talk about Pat Hughes. I'll share my experiences with you. I'll tell you why he was great. And I'll tell you about some of the fun that we had as well. But we do begin talking about the Chicago Bears because, oh man, the Bears placed wide receiver Chase Claypool on the physically unable to perform list, better known as the pup list in the NFL. In other words, he will not be participating, at least practicing, when a training camp does blast off this week and my first reaction to it was it sucks it sucks because chase claypool maybe more than any of your consequential players on the bears needed all of it the otas the mini camps the training camps just because he did not have a great season last year and i'll get into some of the numbers here but let's get a little bit more specific about this he is like in terms of the pup list like more details on what's going down he is on the what's called the active pup list 
which means that he does count towards the team's initial 90-man roster, and he can be removed from the list at any time during training camp, which would be delightful to see. I would love to be reporting that to you guys at some point in time, but he's not going to be practicing to start. So that said, how hurt is Chase Claypool? What is the injury? What's going on? This was Bears head coach Matt Eberflus back in June. I was there with the rest of the Bears beat. Matt Eberflus was talking. We were probably asking on a daily basis about Chase Claypool. Here's some of what Matt Eberflus said about the injured Chase Claypool. This time of year, I'm not really going to talk about the, it, the injuries, but sometimes you get some soft tissue stuff, and there's no reason to risk anything at this time. So, you know, he just felt something, and did, like a lot of guys have, we'll let him sit out for the day and uh, feel where they're going from there. So that's what we do. So, I mean, that was pretty much the answers that we were getting on a daily basis, and they were not obligated to give us the specifics on all of that. He did proceed to eventually say that he is dealing with a few things so we don't know what those few things are but soft tissue soft tissue soft tissue that was the line that we were given regarding chase claypool they were always hopeful that claypool was going to be ready for training camp nobody guaranteed that he'd be ready for training camp but i understand why for a lot of people listening right now it blows because you wanted to see that guy and see what he can do every considering what you gave up to get him i can tell you that claypool was present during the minicamp, not practicing. He was helping out with his teammates. And of course, as a reporter, I'm watching him very closely. There was nothing recognizable. I didn't see him limping or necessarily favoring anything. That doesn't mean anything because not like he was running or doing anything to maximize or to really test the injury. So it's hard to tell at this point. But Chase Claypool, when I talk about a rough season for him last year, seven games with the Bears, 14 catches for 140 yards and did not have a single touchdown. Bears acquired Claypool from the Pittsburgh Steelers on November 1st, as a matter of fact, for a second-round pick, which became Joey Porter Jr. for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's where we're coming from in terms of Claypool. And here's why it's really frustrating. I want you to listen to something here. I talked to Claypool last year in November after he played several games with the bears and he was not being targeted a lot, obviously with the numbers that I just gave you, he was not really making a big impact. So he'll talk about that and the numbers and the targets and all of that. And then listen very closely towards the end of this soundbite where he is talking about the OTAs and the mini camps and the training camp. So here's Chase Claypool. Yeah, like, I'm not really trying to put, you know, all these, like, external pressures, like, oh, you know, people are, like, looking at the stats, looking at my targets, and, like, a lot of people could look at, like, I could look at that and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I wish I had more, I wish I had more targets, but, like, why do that? I don't care what my numbers are, I don't care how many targets I get, I don't care how many yards I get. I just really want to win. Do you ever think about looking forward to starting with this team from the beginning of a season training camp? I'm super excited for, like, it's weird to say, but I'm super excited for OTAs and uh, being able to get that full year in because there's a my, my whole route tree is different. You know, it's harder. It's a little harder to run the routes you never ran before. 
Yeah, a little harder to run the routes you hadn't run before. And he was dropped in here last year. That doesn't excuse him for the bad season that he had with the Bears. It doesn't dissolve him completely of it. I mean, you have to take that into account. But the point is, the point is, you heard him telling me right there that he's looking forward to the OTAs and the mini camp and the training camp. And as I have said several times, nobody looks forward to the OTAs and the mini camps and the training camps because it's work, man. And especially a guy who I guess you could call Chase Claypool is entering the veteran part of his career just because of the lifespan of the NFL. But that's where he was coming from. This is a guy who was earnestly looking forward to getting out there. When we talked to Justin Fields, he was talking about how sort of intense Chase Claypool has been in the offseason in terms of wanting to get better and wanting to connect with Justin Fields and just wanting to be good, wanting to be good, wanting to be worth a second-round pick. So, again, for lack of better terminology, it stinks. And I know, like, I mean, as soon as I tweeted it out on at Mark Grody Sports, you know, a lot of people – making snide comments as you know as we do on twitter it's just part of the game i get it but chase claypool unfortunately has been a bit of a project yeah veteran guys can be projects as well and that's what chase claypool is right now for the bears he is injured he is on the pup list and we don't know if he's going to be good so you are okay to be concerned now darnell mooney also was absent from OTAs and minicamp. He missed five games last year with a broken ankle. Dare I say, he continues to be expected to be in training camp. So I'm going to go under those terms that Darnell Mooney will be there. You obviously have DJ Moore in his first year with the Bears. Just getting to see that in the minicamp and the OTAs, it was pretty cool. I mean, just to see the connection And it seemed like that was their number one goal. Like if you put together the top 20 list of what the Bears wanted to accomplish in their OTAs, I think it had to have been, let's just throw the hell out of the ball to DJ Moore and make Justin Fields and DJ Moore very comfortable. It's not done yet. Chemistry is not completed and that will continue in training camp, but it was definitely something that was encouraging to see. Let's just put it that way. Uh, you got Bayless Jones Jr., who was very disappointing for about the first 14 games of the season. Then he seemed to find it a little bit in the last three games of the season. Dante Pettis back with the Bears. And, you know, he seems to have a decent connection with Justin Fields. Tyler Scott, the rookie out of Cincinnati, the fourth rounder. I know a lot of people are excited about him, and you should be excited about him. He's speedy potentially exciting player but he's a fourth round pick and you know maybe he moves up on the depth chart now considering what's going on with chase claypool but i'd say give him time and don't expect him to be featured in the offense right away equinemia st brown is back signed that extension with the team and of course you have the developing tight ends in cole Komet and robert tunyon not so much a developing guy in tunyon but i think Komet is that guy So that's the disappointing news in regards to Chase Claypool right now. We'll continue to track that for you and hopefully have an update soon for you on the show. As far as Justin Fields is concerned, because that is still going to be, you know, numero uno. I mean, there's a lot of different players, a lot of new players, which is fantastic to see. But you know it. I know it. Justin Fields, that's the story this year. And other than the excellence in running, We know all about that. 
there's another half to his game, which needs to evolve in a big way. 15 games last year, 17 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, 2,242 yards altogether. Again, in those 15 games that Justin Fields did start. And what we have been told is, you know, as we try to get answers from the coaches on what it is that Justin Fields really needs to do to get better when it comes to talking about footwork and release and timing. And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But Sam Munson of Pro Football Focus was on the score recently. And I thought I would start with him, this soundbite, because it's a good reminder for what Justin Fields was dealing with last year. He's Sam Munson. Justin Fields last year won himself that starting job with zero help around him. He was set up to fail given how much they stripped that roster down around him. And yet he went out there and showed that he deserves a a chance to prove what he can do with some help. So he's one of the most special athletes in the NFL. Now he's got a number one wide receiver. He's got a better offensive line. Let's see if he can be a top quarterback as well. Yeah, set up to fail. I mean, that's pretty harsh, but it's probably pretty true. Now, some of it's on Justin Fields. I mean, like we said, there are specific things. Get rid of the ball. Get rid of the ball more quickly. We had a chance to speak to Andrew Janoco, who is the Bears quarterbacks coach. And that's what I was trying to get into with Andrew Janoco. Let's get into the footwork and the release and the timing and the specifics of Justin Fields. Other than what we know about him, what we know about him is that he is a terrific runner what we know about him is that he's a terrific leader what we know about him is that he's the first guy in the last guy out but i've kind of hit my maximum point on hearing all that now i want to know the x's and o's the specifics the mechanics let's start with andrew janoco again this is back in june when we last had access to the bears but andrew janoco is the bears quarterbacks coach i think with it with his feet you know mentally obviously we see that just a deeper understanding of the little nuances of an offense the timing, the rhythm, the protections, all that stuff. And then you, that, that translates on the field. And then his feet mirror those little nuances. And you can you just see that development grow and that growth every day. What kind of improvements have you seen from Justin Fields in terms of his arms? I know we talk about the footwork a lot, the leadership a lot, but what about throwing the football? What is he doing better? Well, I think, you know, he, he's made a conscious effort to just make himself smoother, make himself more fluid, letting his feet lead him, and then, then everything else mirrors off of that. So to me, that's, you know, where we've seen some growth it's what he's put a a real focus on so just you know quantifying that with you know as we get out there and and completing more balls and and putting ourselves into those situations in the game that then it goes to training camp and hopefully see it carry over there yeah and that'll be coming soon so the footwork seemed better like if we're really evaluating justin fields from what he did during the otas and mini camps he was okay it was like okay but you don't know exactly what the installations are at this point. Well, there's zero. And Justin Fields even said that he's allowed to not encourage to make mistakes, but take chances, take chances right now. So lastly on the bears for today, and you know, I'm going to be talking a lot of bears last thing though on the bears here, before we get to Pat Hughes and the Cubs, Justin Fields himself on those things that you just heard from Andrew Janoco release timing footwork, what say you, Justin Fields? When you talk about the feet kind of controlling the, the clock in your head, is that 
the entirety of the rhythm and timing that you guys are looking for? How big a part of the, the rhythm and timing that's being emphasized here is, is tied to that? Yeah, I just feel like it's different. Of course, it's, it's tough for you guys to know, you know, when, you know, we're using certain footworks for, you know, what routes, what concepts and stuff like that. But I would say most of it is, yeah. But of course, you know, if you get, you know, press, you might have to press man coverage by the corner. You might have to hang on it just a little bit longer, just depending on what route it is and stuff like that. But it just defers from, you know, concept to what coverage the defense is playing and stuff like that. So. Also said that one, one of the things that he's emphasizing is, is release with you. What specifically are you looking to improve with your release? You said, who said that? Who said that? I mean, yeah, of course you want to just work on getting the ball out as fast as you can. Um, you know, with defense, with defenses and stuff like that. So, you know, the faster I can get the ball out, you know, the more efficient, the faster I can get the ball into you know, guys like DJ Moon, running back, you know, all that. So There he is, Justin Fields. He knows what he's got to do. He knows what he's got to get better at. And the most satisfying thing I think that Justin Fields has been saying, and he said it last year when we were all raving justifiably over the spectacular things that he did with his feet. You know, he even said, look, I want those records. I want those numbers with my arm and throwing the football as well. So training camp coming soon. Let's switch over to the Chicago Cubs now. Cubs radio play-by-play man Pat Hughes inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame over the weekend. He was awarded the Ford C. Frick Award, and that goes annually to the broadcaster for major contributions to baseball, and that's pretty fitting for somebody like Pat Hughes. Like I said, I, I was in the booth 15, 16, and 17, and I still do this a lot because I've got the MLB app. I listen to other broadcasts, other radio broadcasts, just to see what's going on with their team, get a little insight, listen to the game, see what's going down, just to prepare myself or just check in on a game. And I listen to these other play-by-play guys around the country, and I would think to myself, these dudes aren't very good. Something doesn't sound right. And then I realized that they actually are Probably pretty good play-by-play announcers. It's just that Pat Hughes is way better than these guys. Hall of Fame. So I kind of was like, oh, okay, I get it. They just didn't have the same sound. And one of my broadcast partners, Steve Rosenblum, was making the point the other day when we were talking on the radio that we all love our local broadcasters. And sometimes we're so insular about it that we don't think, oh, there might be good broadcasters outside of the city of Chicago, which is true, which is true. It might be the case in other sports historically present day, but in the case of Pat Hughes, that's not the case. You have an absolutely great one here. Two other things that Pat Hughes did well, just being with him every single day for three years, grace under pressure. Always say that we always talk so much about Pat's poetic descriptions, but how about the technical excellence? Like technically, Pat Hughes is outstanding. And that's really what separates him to in the midst of chaos on a baseball field. And you know, a hundred things can be going on at once. And Pat Hughes, more times than not, would just absolutely nail it. And I'd be sitting back there and be like, what would I have said in that case? And I'd be like, well, that's why I'm doing pre and post and Pat is doing the play-by-play. And then he was ridiculously consistent as well. The exact same person every single day. A couple stories with Pat. This one's pretty hilarious, I think. When I first started there in 2015, new gig, 
big job, really excited. And it wasn't like the first day. It was you know probably middle of the season or so. Eddie Vedder is in the booth, lead singer of Pearl Jam. If you know me, you know that I am a huge Pearl Jam fan. Huge Pearl Jam fan. It's my band. Love Eddie Vedder. So it's like ridiculously cool that Eddie Vedder is in the booth. Ed is in there and Pat and Ron are interviewing him live on the air, you know, talking about because he's going to sing the stretch, I think. And Ed's talking about his music and all of that kind of stuff. And then after they were done with Vetter, Vetter hung around the booth, but Pat and Ron <laughs> were still talking. And Pat kind of turns around to me in the booth and he's like, Mark, I know you're a big fan of Pearl Jam and Eddie Vetter. What did you think about getting to meet him and see him in the booth? And I said, <laughs> I said Pat, I, you know what? It was awesome. I feel like we're BFFs, man. I feel like we're BFFs. And Pat turned back around, looked at the crowd, went back to announcing ball two on whomever it was. And I was like, what the hell? Did I say something wrong? Pat doesn't like me. What's going on? You know, Dave Miska, the engineers, I don't know what's going on. So then Pat throws the commercial and he looks back at me and he goes, okay, Mark. He goes, what's BFF? <laughs> he thought I was dropping F-bombs on the radio. BFF. <laughs> and I'm on my own. Miska's dying. Ron Coomer's dying. And Pat's staring me down. I'm like, oh, Pat, no, no, it's best friends forever. It is innocuous, man. It is. And he's like, I don't know. I'm not sure about it. I'm like, ask your daughters, man. I'm telling you, BFF, that's it. And of course, getting no backup from anybody. So we got through that, but it was a who is this guy moment. And why does he think he could drop F bombs on a Cubs broadcast? Boy, things are different here at the score. Didn't expect to hear that. I don't think I could top that, but I rode on the plane with Pat. He was my partner on the planes. In other words, we sat next to each other with a seat in between us. One thing that we shared in common, we both have a love of cool vocabulary words. And so Pat had this book from like the 1990s, I think, because it was like just a paperback small book with all these cool words. And he would throw the words at me and we would try to use them in a sentence. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'll tell you what, man. The glory years, I got to tell you, there was the time that Pat and I, this was not a good thing. One thing you may or may not know about me, I have zero sense of direction. And this was in, I think, 26 to 2016 season. And I understand we all have our apps that we can use to get us places. I wasn't very adept at it then. After this game in Minnesota, Ron Coomer was having a party. So Pat hung out with me after I did my post game because he wanted me to walk him to the party because he didn't know where it was. And well, I didn't really know where it was. So Pat and I basically got lost in the era of the smartphone. Pat Hughes and I got lost in Minnesota, lost in Minnesota. And both of us were so frustrated. We're asking people and people are like, well, here, just put it in your phone right here. And eventually we did make it to the coom party, which was a blast. But that was quite a moment with him. And then, of course, Pat, the man loves water and he loves salmon. Like if you put salmon in front of him and asparagus, it's over. And he collected bottles of water. So those are my Pat Hughes stories. Loved him. Still love him. He's fantastic. And I loved my three years with him. And I do. And we'll wrap up things here 
like this. Most of these shows aren't going to be this long, usually like 15 minutes or so, but this is the debut show. So we'll stretch it out a little bit. I still get asked often why I left the Cubs booth after the 2017 season. The truth is I didn't have a choice in the matter. And yes, it was emotional. Yes, I held a resentment for a while, but resentments will absolutely crush you. And I worked myself through it. And I have gotten to the point where I don't need nor want the whys from anybody, Matt Nagy, because there weren't a whole lot of whys when it came to it. You know, I know that I did things a little bit differently in the booth. I mean, I wasn't like reinventing anything, but I made it a point to attempt to not do pre and post games like everybody else in the world does pre and post game shows. And maybe that wheel didn't need to be reinvented, but you know, that was my way of doing things. And again, nobody's ever said anything to me in that regard, but you think about things like that. And so I think that, you know, again, there's one of those things where I'm good to go now. And the thing that really helped and helps is covering the Chicago Bears on a full-time basis, including getting to be the sideline reporter for six years, which I did. And I think every job that I've had in this business has always been my favorite job up to that point. I have loved covering the Chicago Bears. It is a blast. There is nothing that people are more interested in in this town than covering the Chicago Bears. So that's a huge part of it too. And you know what? I wouldn't do anything differently and I wouldn't want anything to have turned out differently. And don't get me wrong, nothing can replace being there for the 2016 World Series champion Cubs and being on their charter flight on the way home. It was absolutely spectacular, but things change. And I'm actually in a better place in my life and everything right now. And that is exactly where I am. And I will continue to be. So I will be covering the Bears. I'm not on the sidelines anymore. The Bears went over to another radio station. So the way it works in the business, they typically hire their guys. That's the way it works. I was the beneficiary of that, quite frankly, with the Cubs. That when they moved from GN to the score... Judd Surratt, who was an outstanding pre and post guy, now the play-by-play voice of the Boston Bruins, they brought it over here. And so he was no longer pre and post and I got the job. So it was predictable and that's the way things work. But I'm here to tell you that I love covering the Bears and I am very happy in regards to all of that. So I'm glad that I got a chance to talk about that because a lot of you guys ask me about it and uh, get text messages all the time here on the score text line. So you should know that it is all good. The one other thing too is doing baseball is rigorous because it's every other week you are on the road and there's a lot of great to it, a lot of benefits to it. And traveling is first class and the Cubs were great in regards to all of that. But one thing that I missed a lot is I kind of like lost touch with this sounds weird with the score at large and talking to callers and expressing my opinions and doing all that kind of stuff. Like I always felt very distant from it because you're part of a broadcasting, you're part of a network. You kind of got one foot with the Cubs. You got one foot in the score. You got to please different masters and all that kind of stuff. So it can be very difficult. 
That is going to do it for our debut episode here today. We're doing this every single day, and hopefully you guys will listen and you'll tell a friend. Ray Diaz, thank you so much for producing the show. I am Mark Grody, and we will talk to you soon on The Daily Score.